We are continuing a conversation from last week on educational policy and controversies. Our guests are Erica Donalds, who's associated with a group calling themselves Moms for Liberty. Local guest is Beth Lewis. She is the executive director of Save Our Schools Arizona and is a career teacher. From KTAR News, this is The Think Tank, hosted by Dr. Mike O'Neill. I'd like to welcome both Erica Donalds and Beth Lewis back to the show to continue our conversation. Welcome back. One of the things that I wanted to pick up on from our earlier discussion is the subject of uh, funding of religious schools. You know, I walked into this studio and there's the First Amendment is printed on the wall and it begins, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. First words of the First Amendment. First of all, funding of private schools, that has always been a red line. That that's, how is that not founding, uh, how is that not for the government founding a religion? Erica, well, I'll start, question I suppose, um, I would wonder what would happen if we didn't allow Pell Grants to go to any religious higher education institutions, or if we didn't allow Medicaid or Medicare to be utilized at religious hospitals around the country. I just wonder why is it okay for government funding to be used at religious institutions in other matters, but not K-12 education? Well, I think here in Arizona and and throughout the country, you know, I've seen lots of polls that show that Americans really don't like the idea of, um, you know, taking away the wall between church and state. And and we've seen that reflected here. Arizona voters are really concerned about funding religious schools. And I think that's because that can mean such a host of things. Right. And there's no control there. Um, You know, there there are religions that promote really horrific things. And I think then there's also, you know, your typical like Catholic schools and Lutheran schools. But how once we tear down that wall, how is there any sort of control? And, And I think that. You know, we've seen dangers with kids who have been in cults. They've been indoctrinated. They've been removed from a public system and have really, really suffered. And I think just as educators and as parents and people who really care about children, we need to make sure that we're talking about, at the very least, like accredited schools. And we need to keep up that that wall between church and state. That is what our democracy is founded on. And walking away from that here in Arizona is really dangerous for the whole country. Let me throw out a hypothetical. Let's say there was a Muslim organization wanted to set up a madrasa and and based on a belief system that we should smite the great Satan. Where's the line between that? If the state is not making it is not allowed to make a judgment on the curriculum, then how can you not how can you not fund that along with Right. There, there is no line. And, and like I said um, last week, you know, there we have no idea what is being taught in any of these schools. There is absolutely no oversight. Um, and, and I know, Erica, you're associated with Moms for Liberty. Um, the Southern Poverty Law Center has exposed that group for being a far right extremist org that is pushing profit driven religious education and dividing our communities. And a lot of that is under the mantle of you know, school choice or education freedom. But the reality is we're pushing 
families to choose really extremist religious academies that are really dangerous. And I think if voters knew that, if taxpayers knew that, we'd be having a very different conversation here. I I don't think we're pushing families to do anything. I think we're giving families the option and the opportunity to choose a school that more aligns with their values. And I personally don't believe in restricting the number or type of religious schools that might become available. If a Muslim school gets approved in Arizona as a private school to take ESAs, then families should be allowed to choose that school for their children, Um, whether it's a Christian school, a Catholic school, a Muslim school, or one that purports to be uh, secular like the public schools do. Again, it goes back to you're not funding the school. You are providing this benefit to the parents, and the parents are making the choice as to where those dollars are being spent, just like a Pell Grant, just like any other form of government assistance that allows parents to choose where to utilize that assistance. But let me, and, let me ask a question about that. Is In almost all other public expenditures, I mean, I agree it does that. It, it gives money to parents and it allows them to spend it. But in almost other area of public expenditures, we audit where the money goes, what it's used for, what the results are, or we don't give public fund, funding. I mean, we do that. Right. We, we give... The government gives money to to a lot of private charities that do a lot of good things, but they keep an eye on where the where the money goes. What about the oversight issue? You don't you won't get any disagree with me um, on that. I do believe there should be some audit functions and some accountability for spending. I'm a CPA, so I've spent 20 years in in that field, both as a, a chief financial officer and a compliance officer. And that's one of the things that I bring to the table in the school choice movement is helping schools govern themselves well, um, to have accountability measures with their boards and to have transparency. And I strongly believe in that. Um, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. If there needs to be a strengthening of the accountability or of the audit functions of the government, that's one thing. That doesn't mean take away the ability for parents to choose. What we have in this country is widespread mistrust in the public school systems. And we cannot force families under the rule of law to drop their most precious children off at these institutions that are what they believe as parents not providing the education of the values that they instill at home. So if they are Christians and the schools are telling children that they can use whatever pronouns they want or that other uh, forms of lifestyle are okay, that they are not okay with at home, whether they're Christians, whether they're Muslims, whatever form of religion, that is in violation to their religious exercise. And so giving those families an opportunity to choose a school that aligns with their values, whether those values be religious, political, secular, it doesn't matter. This is a freedom issue, and it means parents need that ability regardless of their income level. I don't think that has anything to do with freedom and sounds like more free market, profit-driven speak to me. Um, You know, the reason that parents are, you know, having any amount of distrust in the public school system as a whole is because there's been an enormous marketing effort by Moms for Liberty and also other folks like Tucker Carlson, et cetera, to try and plant these seeds. But people love their local public schools, right? They all know that teachers aren't teaching CRT, that there is like SEL, this whole 
war about SEL and grooming. That's so, and social, uh, uh, yeah. social, uh, social uh, and emotional learning, right? Yeah. So which explain is, what that is. Absolutely. So my fifth graders, you know, we taught them how to deal with a conflict on the playground or how to make a friend. <laughs> my third mm-hmm. graders were taught how to use nice words in conflict or how to be assertive and not aggressive. This is not grooming. And there is, you know, a huge amount of money being pushed to peddle these lies to push people away from public schools. We all see it. You're not fooling us. Um, so let's move away from that. Any any Christian that I know is more than happy to call somebody by the name that they wish and the pronoun that they wish. So we probably shouldn't get into the differences there. But I think that it goes back to the fact that we don't want to give our taxpayer dollars to Charlie Kirk, to Dream City Church, to teach kids that being gay is ungodlike and that homosexuality is sinful. Nobody wants that in Arizona. And Moms for Liberty needs to get out of Arizona, stay out of our business and stop peddling these lies. Even in very uh, red communities, uh, you see a lot of very left-wing ideologies in textbooks because those textbooks are distributed all over the country. I saw them myself. I voted against them every chance that I could uh, because I don't believe in indoctrinating kids in one way or the other. Can you you give an example? You you characterize as left-wing, but I'd like to know what what, what, what specific content are you objecting to? Oh, absolutely. Sure. There are materials in our schools that are promoting, uh, say, the United Nations uh, human rights clauses that aren't even part of our Constitution, Um, global warming and climate change. There were um, stories for tests that talked about um, the the southern border and how if you were opposed to uh, people coming across the border, uh, what we would call illegally, then you were not compassionate. Um, there are anti-Second Amendment uh, questions in some of the materials. So there is a difference of opinion, whether whatever side you're on, on many issues, not just in our history, but in our current events. And families do not always trust the public school system to tell the story the way that they would want it to be told to their children in an age-appropriate manner. They don't want public schools picking one side or another on political issues or cultural issues, but the schools are doing that anyway. And that is what has given rise to groups like Moms for Liberty, who are full of people who have never been politically involved, who have never been activists, but who saw what was going on with our children during covid and said enough is enough, and now they've gotten active. I think it's a wonderful thing that these families are taking more responsibility for the public school system that they're paying for with their tax dollars by running for office, by attending meetings, and by being more alert about what's going on. Beth, your comments on content, <laughs> curriculum content. I don't know where to start. <laughs> I mean, first of all, you said if that you don't believe in any form of indoctrination, yet you're advocating for us to send taxpayer dollars to indoctrination schools. Um, so we can leave that aside. In terms, um, indo- oh, no, just several of them that are popping up all over Arizona that are widely documented to be anti-LGBTQ um, and say it right in their statement of faith. So, yeah, I mean, that's... That's indoctrination at its finest. I take your point that, yes, there are probably textbooks that talk about global warming because science. Um, And there, you know, in classrooms, there are a lot of Socratic discussions that really give students a lot of agency and voice. And good teachers all across our state 
are engaging in those conversations. And so students might read pro-con articles about things like the Second Amendment in high school. They might read pro-con articles about immigration. And kids might have very differing opinions. And that's the beauty of public school is that kids are encouraged to talk about these ideas, to read different points of view, and to grapple with those things with each other. It doesn't mean that teachers are shoving anything down anybody's throats. That's not happening. I have been in thousands of classrooms across this beautiful state. It is not happening. And I really don't appreciate having somebody from Florida come in and tell me what's happening in my state. Well, anyone listening can follow Libs of TikTok. There's plenty (laughs) of examples of indoctrination in classrooms all across the United States, including Arizona. It's not that it's not happening. It's just what are you okay with? versus what these families are okay with. So it it doesn't matter what you think indoctrination is. What matters is the parent of that child. What do they want for their child? What is acceptable to them? And that is just one of a myriad of reasons why people choose to use an ESA or to go to a charter or a private school or homeschool. Um, But it is a valid reason. It doesn't matter, though, what the reason is. This is a great program that provides opportunity to families and is going to provide access to the lowest income families in Arizona who otherwise would not have it. That's not what's happening in Arizona. If you look at the data, most of the ESA vouchers are being used in wealthy zip codes where families were already having access to private school, were already choosing homeschool, had the you know, entitled or the, um, sorry, the ability to be able to choose homeschooling and, you know, the huge amount of work associated with that. These are not benefiting low income families. People, you know, think "Mm, I, I, what I'm seeing right now is subpar options that are popping up in low income communities that are predatory, that are lying, and that are probably fly by night operators that are going to close up shop in the middle of the year. And if you believe in free market, that might sound fine to you, but I believe in children and I care about children and I don't think that's good for them. Let me ask you both about one element that I see that, that, to the extent that the, we fragment our educational system into um, little pieces that ha- where people have homogeneous views, aren't we losing something? I, I, I like, it, particularly at the high school level, the kinds of issues you both talked about. I would love to see vigorous debates among students in high school by people who disagree with one another. Isn't that how we learn to get along together. If folks of a particular view segregate themselves out into closed academies, not only are they deprived of other view, but people in the public, kids in the public schools are deprived of their views. Well, I think it's a mistake to think that if they're choosing not to go to a public school, they're going to a school that represents only one view. I am involved, of course, running classical schools, and we're very proud of the diverse views that we present to our students and not presenting only one manner of thinking. Part of classical education is Socratic discussion and debate, and you cannot have Socratic discussion and debate without a divergence of views, right? We expose these kids. They read uh, Fahrenheit 9-11. They read John Locke. They read uh, Mao. They read all of the the most rich in history, the people who have had the most long-lasting opinions about all different types 
of the world's history, and they debate those ideas. It's not teaching them what to think. It's teaching them how to think critically, how to debate ideas, um, how to come up with their own conclusions. I would say that what I've seen in many traditional public schools is a group think, is a one manner of thinking. As the materials that I just referenced, they didn't show both sides of the issue. They showed only one side of the issue. And until that is corrected in the public schools, you're always going to have families who do not agree with that side that are going to want their children to have a better type of education or one that is not contrary to their beliefs. You know, I feel that my kids have a really strong foundation. And if they go to school and they learn something that doesn't completely align with my values, I trust that I've done my job and that they're going to come talk to me about it. And, you know, that's not an issue for me because I feel really strong about my kids and their belief system. So I'm not worried about them in that case. But I do share Mike's concerns about this sort of almost tribalism that we're encouraging here where, you know, what's next? Like, do we need to have a Jewish school, a Lutheran school, a LDS, you know, Mormon micro school, a school for red haired kids, a school for blue eyed kids? Like, where is the line there? And how are we walking away from what is the most important thing of our democracy, which is public schools? Um, You know, Erica, you talked about classical, you know, liberal arts curriculum and, and it, that curriculum has really come under fire in recent years because there's all of the authors that are read pretty much are white. Um, most of it is Western thought. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, diversity there. So, yeah, I mean, you can discuss Locke. You can discuss Mao. That's great. But if you're not actually reading from authors of color, what are you doing? And I believe your charter school teaches the Hillsdale curriculum, which is the 1776 curriculum that's been endorsed by like Trump and DeSantis. And to me, I mean, that (laughs) if you're upset about schools teaching the 1619 project, which isn't happening in Arizona, but if it were, you should be just as upset about doing what you're doing, which is teaching the 1776 project. So I don't know why it's okay for one parent to draw this line in the sand and think that, you know, indoctrinating kids is fine as long as it's within their belief system. But our public schools are not doing that. They're encouraging conversations. And I think that's why Arizona families choose them. And I think that's the bottom line is that families should be able to choose the environment, the curriculum, and the people who they are entrusting their children with every day. And what you're advocating for is for someone else to make that choice for them. And that is really the bottom line here. Should the family be the ones to choose? And should they have enough diversity of options, including private school or homeschool or a combination and public schools? Or should the government or public schools, the school board or some bureaucrat be the ones to decide how their child is educated, what they're educated on, what the curriculum looks like, what their school day looks like. I think certainly, and we'll continue to advocate for parents to be in the driver's seat. And if parents don't feel qualified to do that, they certainly can request help or they could just go with what has already been set up for them in a traditional public school setting. I have no opposition to that. But I love the idea that the parents' freedom and purchasing power is going to give rise to innovative options like Optima Academy Online, the world's first VR school that would not exist if not for these types of school choice programs. I mean, we have VR headsets in our schools that are provided to public schools all across the state through a nonprofit called Act One, and they're great, but it doesn't have to happen through a voucher. Um, I 
am a working mom, like so many, I don't have the ability to hand select every teacher my child is put in front of, nor do I want to. My kid just started middle school this year. He's got eight teachers. I don't know everything about every single one of them, but I know that they're qualified to teach. I know they've been trusted by the district that I trust. And I know that they're fingerprinted. And, you know, he might not like every single one of them. And he might not think that every single one is perfect for him. And I'm okay with that because we live in a society and, you know, like demanding Perfection for kids is setting them up to fail. Let me ask you about the issue of uh, teacher certification. Uh, I understand that the private schools, it's not a requirement. How do you feel about that, Erica? Is that an expansion, a pro- appropriate expansion of the pool of potential teachers, or is it a risk of putting people in the classroom who frankly don't know what they're doing? No, I, I don't believe that teacher certification should be a requirement for public schools or private schools, to be honest with you. I believe in our educational leaders at our school institutions. Our principals can determine whether a teacher is able to perform at their duties or not. We have plenty of accountability in our schools to tell us whether teachers are performing uh, appropriately. And here in Florida, I've advocated for the loosening of teacher certification. Um, we don't have enough teachers. And we need to break down the barriers to the profession, train them up, give them the professional development that they need to teach our students, and then hold them accountable. But ultimately, teacher certification, you have teachers in the worst performing failing schools that are all certified. And you have these elite private schools that have no certified teachers that are performing outstandingly. It's not an indicator of long-term success in the classroom. There are plenty of other ways for our principals and academic leaders to determine whether teachers are qualified. Are, are, are you doing the same uh, testing that public schools are required to do? Student testing? We, in our charter schools, yes, we do. Um, and when we operate as a private school, we will probably lean more on uh, tests like the CLT, the classic learning test, because it's more aligned with our curriculum, but always working towards when our, our students are in high school, you know, the tests that are going to help them to move on to higher education options. But I do believe in accountability and testing, including benchmark testing throughout the year and being very transparent with parents about where their children are and how they're performing. Yeah, I mean, here in Arizona, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of the vouchers are being used um, for home education. And so that's run under the Department of Education with the new superintendent. And the new superintendent has unilaterally swept all accreditation away from all of the tutors and vendors that are put in front of kids. Now all they need is a high school diploma. And his rationale is, well, you know, I tutored in high school, so that should be plenty fine. But these are people who are actually educating the kids. Mm -hmm. There's no accreditation. There's no um, designation that they need to have a bachelor's degree or any sort of certification in teaching or any sort of training. They're just people who are running out of their homes teaching Spanish or violin or, you know, whatever they want to be teaching, which I think is really dangerous. We're we're near the end. I want to give you each a minute of of free time to basically emphasize any point you'd care to emphasize. uh, uh, And uh, 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 Erica went last last time, so I'll give the last word to Beth. So I want to give it to you first, Erica. You got a minute to to emphasize any any point you'd care to do so. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the conversation because we often have these debates in a box. It's either private school or public school. But I really want to cast a vision for your listeners of what education could be in the future. 
with an ESA program that enough students and families take advantage of, we could have a customization of our education system to a, a level that we can't even imagine at this point. Just imagine for a minute that your local public school has an amazing literature program and you want your child to go there, they go there in the morning, but your history museum does accredited programming that is for credit. And so after they go to public school, they head on over to the history museum that has a little van that goes and picks people up and they do their history there. And then maybe you get to work from home in the afternoons and you want your child there with you. And there's an amazing math teacher that teaches online and they have thousands of students, but they have helpers and they've been able to create this online program that's scalable because they're an incredible math teacher. And maybe you're a physicist and you want to teach them physics and so you just need enough money to buy the materials to teach them yourself. That is the kind of customized system that I envision. And there will always be people who choose a full-time program or maybe a hybrid or part-time program. But why wouldn't we open up the windows of innovation and invite the ingenuity of Americans in and say, what can you do with education? Because frankly, our country has not been doing an outstanding job, no matter what state you're in. And if we're going to compete globally, we've got to do better. Okay, Beth, last word. <laughs> I mean, I think if we're going to compete globally, we need to fund our public education system that serves the vast majority of our students. So, you know, that's what I'm advocating for here in Arizona and across the country. Um, you know, what we're really doing, we're not really setting up innovation. We're setting up dangerous, you know, subpar choices that are diluting the choice of public public school and they're removing funding from our public schools. And what I fear is that we're heading towards a future where we have elite private academies for the wealthy and typically white families in the suburbs. We've completely walked away from public education and left it for poor families, for children of color, for rural families, and walked away from that responsibility. That is what we're heading towards in Arizona. That is, uh, you know, what keeps me up at night. I do really appreciate the conversation, Erica. And I just, you know, I think when we're talking about things like free market and innovation and using all of these business buzzwords, we're really not thinking of children. And I've been in the classroom for so long that I can't have these conversations without thinking about the kids and specifically the kids that are going to lose out on real education options when things like what you described for entitled privileged families are, you know, propped up by the state and public schools are defunded. So that's who I'm fighting for. Okay. Final word, and I want to thank both of you. Two very different views on public education, Erica Donalds and Beth Lewis. Thank you both. I'm Mike O'Neill. I can be reached at mikeoneill.org, and that is a website that's a vehicle for contacting me via social media, email, or whatever, however you like, smoke signals even. Thank you very much. See you next week in the Think Tank. 